This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. I'm just going to play around with that and say something like, This is Moss Whelan and something like Stratified and <laughs> Mindfield. <laughs> something like that. So, just give me a walk, and try not to make the big squeak on the gate. I think it's raining. It's hard to tell. It's like, it's like really small raindrops. And we'll see. I brought the umbrella, just in case, as is the Vancouver way got the the raincoat the hooded Vancouver raincoat so uh, yesterday's podcast was I think a very good one it was it had um, starting off with Conan and it ended up talking about the um, talking about theme. And I, f- I found that helpful. S- sort of sitting there going, you know, oh yeah, it is. It's, it's uh, an argument. And it's, you know, composed of three parts. The thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. And you can look at it as the, the three acts. Where you have the first act is establishing the the argument, the thesis, then you have this counter-argument in the second act, and then the final is in the third act, where you have the synthesis. And of course it's going back and forth, but... Yeah. I love talking to one guy that... Talking about talking about theme, and it didn't really go anywhere. I was I sort of brought it up and said, you know, oh yeah, I'm checking out this screenplay manual, writing manual, and you know, sort of tried to start the conversation, you know, and it just halts because this uh, other writer says, oh theme, I don't worry about that, which is a very first draft thing to say, right? Which is fine. But uh, uh, the other person said, you know, <laughs> that's not an issue for them. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I like getting into it. But then, too, right, if you, if you asked me 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I would have said, I don't even know what you're talking about. Maybe there's a kind of magician's, um, you know, magician's trick. That the whole thing is like magicians never reveal their secrets. Maybe it's more about a, you know, being able to comprehend. Like say that the magician would try to show you, or maybe the magician is showing you, and, you know, and you, it's just 
right? You, you can't comprehend because they're just so, uh, you know, they've practiced and practiced and studied and wouldn't that be frustrating if, if writers were like that? And it seems, seems to me kind of the opposite because writers are always sort of, you know, giving away their stuff. But it's about interest, comprehension, how many hours you've put in. Um, and two, I've been told things that I, I didn't understand at the time. So let's see. What's up? Something came up yesterday doing this writer's hashtag game, uh, which is uh, hashtag fantasy whippalooza. And a writer mentioned uh, it was Lord of the Rings. And they said that they liked the scene where Zmeri or Pippin acquires this dagger in the Barrow Downs. And this is so. This is the first book. It's after um, Tom Bombadil and the Hobbits are. <clears throat> The, the hobbits are captured, yeah. And there's these, um, there's this treasure there, and it's, it's a, it's a burial mound, right? It's a grave, and there's treasure and weapons there, and so they get, uh, they get some daggers and stuff. And the, the dagger that, I'm gonna say it's Mary, Mary gets this dagger, and oh, here we go. Now it's raining. Umbrella is up. Okay, so Mary gets this dagger, and then way in the in the last book, uh, he uses it against the Witch King, and uh, stabs the Witch King, and uh, the, the writer on uh, Twitter, so we're having this conversation, and they, they said that they, what is it, they liked? Oh, they didn't like it in the movie, because it... It got edited out. Tom Bombadil got edited out, and the Barrow Downs got edited out. And I was there too. I was like going, yeah, those were two of these big moments loaded differently. Like Tom Bombadil was very, um, this wonderful uh, moment. And then the Barrow Downs were this really freaky moment. But what uh, it got me thinking about was, I had thought about it before, was that uh, I noticed similarities in the pattern of the plot structure. 
and it, it sort of it it felt like that moment uh, at the Barrow Downs where there's this abduction and then there's this treasure to me it seemed like the Hobbit in the troll shaws where the the three brother trolls abduct the dwarves and Bilbo and then at the end of that episode there's treasure and uh, Bilbo gets sting you know, to, it's a dagger, but to him it's a, it's a sword, a large dagger. And so there's this similarity. And it's like, once again, it reminded me. And I was, so I asked, what do you think about the, a theory that the Hobbit was the template? You know, the, uh, you know, the, the narrative structure is, is it the narrative structure? or say the plot structure. So Tolkien took the Hobbit and then built on it, right? And he just sort of used the spots. So you know, why? Why bring that up? Um, if, if, if you're a fan, say, it's, of, of the books, it's interesting. But then too, if you're a writer, it brings in, it brings you into this territory of what can be done. So there's the novelty of it, right? Just like, oh, that's an interesting thought. But then, the actual sort of um, building blocks. And I've experimented with this. I've gone back and, say, picked a story. I'm trying to just think of a story that I've, I've done this with. I know I've done it. Uh, kids' stories, say, you know, stuff that I grew up with. I did. I did compliment. Uh, I did uh, contemplate uh, taking the Hobbit because that was very, for me, that was uh, it was one of my first um, stories, you know, that I heard, first books, first stories, and so I did. I did look at the structure and you know uh, plotted out what happens sort of a synopsis. What was my... My big... Um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I spend... I spend time sort of planning and... and uh, I have, like, these projects that may or may not see the light of day that are... Um, what was it? It was... I, I wanted to do this, uh, it was a fantasy, and it would be these four uh, First Nations, Native American kids, and yeah, and so I thought, you know, this is awesome, right? 
and I went to a couple sources, a couple, you know, yeah, inspirations, but what I wanted to do, I wanted to do a series, and then they split off into two groups, uh, two, possibly three, just like in Lord of the Rings, because what happens is, uh, at the end of the first book, structurally, we have this split, and I liked it because it wasn't sort of that the characters were all together, and two, it was familiar. So, that it, so that in that said, it, it, you know, my story idea is not uh, plot-wise. It was not the um, the Hobbit. So instead, I'm going for the um, Lord of the Rings. But it was just it was just interesting because the division happened that um, in the Lord of the Rings they were attacked. Uh, Boromir. This sort of troubling guardian, you're not sure whether whose side the guy's on. Uh, but uh, the main character, Frodo, although it's argued that Sam is the main character, but so these two go off in a uh, in one direction, and then. Strider, Gimli, and Legolas go off in another, and then, and even another, Merry and Pippin go off. Uh, they've been abducted by orcs, and it's it, and it's not the situation where the characters are. Oh, you know, they'll get back together in the next chapter. No. <laughs> yes, I guess it's for most of the book they're they're divided in one way or another, and just say looking at it plot wise, thinking about the conflict that you know that you know they're they're striving for something, they you know they want they want to sort of get back together, or I wanted them to get back together. It's like, oh, that's not good. We've got to get the team back together. And they're all working. You know, they all have the same goal. And there's these realizations. Say, Strider and Gimli and Legolas realize that they have to they have to provide a distraction so that Frodo and Sam can uh, complete their mission, or at least try to. And then, and then while this is happening, we get Merry and Pippin who are off on this uh, solo, solo adventure, and yet it is connected, you know, to the whole thing. Was it Isengard, uh, where Saruman is, and getting 
you know, trying to convince the, uh, it's actually a pretty big deal, but they, you know, they're convincing, trying to convince the Ents, Treebeard and company to, to help. And it, it would take such a long time to, uh, to sort of have, have the group traveling from one place to another. Uh, because of this writer on Twitter, I actually went to, to look up some of, some of the things I knew. Because I, I had read, uh, what did I read? I think it was called a, it was like a shadow, a shadow over, maybe something like the Shire. And it was this big, thick um, look at how the Lord of the Rings was created. And there's a, a series of these. I believe it's via Christopher Tolkien, the son of J.R.R. Tolkien. And so I took a look at that in this... Uh, unfortunate website. It's like has all these, you know, car advertisements flashing up and you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to duck duck and cover and and turn off these things. That it, that's that's a frustrating thing for me. It's like I want to be able to select. Like, you know, I will tolerate advertisements, but not when they are promoting mass extinction. So, so <laughs> you know, the, the big bad stuff. So, uh, yeah, so I, I was looking and there were, um, there were these mentions of uh, this uh, shadow book, this telling about how it was done, and then it was it mentioned the page count. I think it was pages. It might have been words, but it was just just a huge, monstrous number of pages, and that got me thinking that there may have been it may may have been like say a single narrative, much like, say, Bilbo, right, where we follow Bilbo, and that one of the solutions to bring down the page count, which was in the thousands, and <laughs> I have this memory that it was like 9,000 pages, right? But, uh, I was thinking one, one solution could be the dividing up, the breaking of the fellowship, where the, the group of adventurers um, go off and do these other things. That's another link for me, is looking at this group of people, and that we have, uh, going back to The Hobbit, we have these this group. How many... How many dwarves? I think it was like 12 dwarves. I'll bet you two it was seven originally, but you know he wanted to kind of get away from the, the fairy tale. Inspired by 
but uh, wanting to get some distance. So, so we get this group, you know, a large group, it's unwieldy, you know, really if you consider the amount of characters, and too in The Hobbit, uh, it, it's so, so interesting because, uh, you know, with the focus on Bilbo, uh, most, we don't get time with most of the dwarves. Um, un unlike, say, in the movies where care and attention goes into uh, goes into the the dwarves, you know, and we get descriptions and caricatures. You know, here's the strong one, here's the heavy one. There's an element of of the seven dwarves there, right? This one's dopey. I, I, oh, there was a dock. I don't know if you've seen the old Snow White and Seven Dwarves, but each one had this kind of character. Uh, but in The Hobbit, we don't spend time with that. I think the only ones we really get into is, say, Thorin, and um, I'm just trying to remember. But it's, it's pretty vague. Pretty vague. Uh, I remember my agent telling me to keep conversations to four or less. Or at least, say, the focus. You could be in a huge, you know, amphitheater, but you're only going to have uh, a, f a few people talking. Just as a rule of thumb. Uh, go ahead, sort of just continuing down this stream of thought that there's that there's this pattern that is being followed uh, in the Hobbit. You know, sort of our first sort of pit stop is uh, Rivendell, and that's it's it's pretty much a mirror for the Lord of the Rings. You know that that's where we sort of we go to and we rest. There's there's a sort of pleasing logic to it that say if you've if you've read The Hobbit and if you like The Hobbit, the the return would be familiar, very much like say uh, having the same characters. And, that, and that's something that doesn't happen. We don't have Bilbo Baggins Part 2, right? We have uh, Bilbo Baggins... Is it his nephew? Uh, so we have his nephew, and it's in the future. I'm just thinking of the displeasure of series that break off. I've mentioned before um, Crestomancy. And I've mentioned the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I seem to be in. I seem to be in the kind of uh, 
<coughs> excuse me, uh, kids' uh, fantasy mode. But it was I was talking about Conan yesterday, so should be okay. Okay, so uh, is there any more to say about the beginning of the book? I mentioned the trolls, and I'm, I'm just going through my sort of checklist, and the direction that 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 we go in is we leave we leave Hobbiton, and we're leaving in leaving the Shire. The Lord of the Rings is more expansive, we get to spend more time uh, yeah, we get to spend more time leaving leaving the Shire I'm just trying to sort of gauge it and go like, well where was you know, where was Bree I think Bree was kind of in between it was it was after uh, Tom Bombadil and the Brow Downs, and then I think it's um, Bree, and then we get to Rivendell, <laughs> something like that. It, it's an as I'm talking about it, it's an interesting feeling because it feels like there's a kind of blurring that's happening between the two. It's like, it's like, did they go the Misty Mountains? Did they go over the Misty Mountains? Oh no, wait, that was, you know, it was the Hobbit. So now I'm just finishing up kind of like the you know, the first act of, of both and uh, and thinking about them. So I think that's I think that's pretty much it. And now it's moving on to the to the second the second act. So the big differences would be this split narrative in Lord of the Rings versus um, that we have one uh, main character that we're following. One, one part of the conversation on Twitter was sort of mentioning that there were mentioning the names uh, in Lord of the Rings and say the first draft and that Frodo's name starting off was Bingo apparently because Christopher Tolkien had a, um, a sort of a panda um, stuffed uh, pet, like not a pet, a um, toy, right? A doll called Bingo. And in the first draft, uh, Strider was called Trotter, and he was so. 
and then and then you know it's revealed if you remember the the scene where he's sort of Strider is in the prancing pony this uh, inn or tavern and he's got the hood pulled over smoking his pipe so he can't see his face and so it's revealed that this is this is actually Bilbo and so all of a sudden you know we would get Bilbo uh, from from you know the, um, the the Hobbit book and so that's an interesting kind of flip around. So, uh, the events, say, in the second act of the two, I would say it's the forest. We get Lothlorien in Lord of the Rings, and we get Fangorn. Is that right? No, no, sorry, not Fangorn. Because <laughs> that's Lord of the Rings. Mirkwood, there we go. And there's a more kind of northerly, like say that we stay in the north, or we stay, it's kind of a straight line across the page. Whereas, that's in The Hobbit, and then for the Lord of the Rings we're going uh, sort of uh, south Southeast, down, then across. But it seems uh, ultimately heading, heading east, uh, toward Mordor. Just jumping ahead to the the last part, in, in the Hobbit we get, the Lonely Mountain, and we get, uh, and then and then the dragon, Smaug is there. And I think that that equates to Mount Doom in Lord of the Rings. And so we have two mountains and we have the dragon, which was something actually I quite liked in Lord of the, the Movies, because there was this symbolism with the um, the eye, the eye of Sauron, and then the eye of the dragon, Smaug, that it, they actually have the same shape. I think it's the iris, is the same shape. You know, not, not quite cat's eye, but it has this particular shape. And that seems much more developed uh, in the Hobbit movies, where we get a moment with... Uh, Sauron as the, the necromancer, and that there's this shape that we see, and then later in the third Hobbit movie we get the shape of the uh, the dragon's eye. He's connecting the connecting the the two. That this is sort of uh, not not theme then. If theme is argument, this was more imagery. To suggest that they have these this connection with each other. I feel a little odd this morning, like I'm on stilts. I've uh, I've got an appointment to meet with Patrick Bolivar to do the to do our 
critique partner thing. And what is it? Oh, yeah. So I'm just sort of like making sure that I'm functional, right? I'm not having coffee. Just having, I just had some tea. I might have a bit more tea when I get home. Finish up my notes. And because I've read his chapter three. And, uh, but I feel a bit wobbly this morning. I don't know if it's, that has to do with the, uh, the weather season, weather. Let's see, what else can we say? Similar characters? Gandalf is in The Hobbit. Gandalf is in The Lord of the Rings. Uh, the big battles. We have the Battle of Five Armies in The Hobbit. And we have... We have... Um, I think the, the big battle would be uh, Pelennor Fields, if I've got... If I've got the... I think I've pronounced it right. That that would be the big battle. And the... Because the actual confrontation when... um, Aragorn slash Strider is going towards the gates. I think they're called the Black Gates. There's a there's a journey home, uh, in in both. Uh, of course, in the Hobbit it's shorter, but in the Lord of the Rings it's longer, and we have a much more. Uh, we have we have scenes and story that happen at. We have scenes and story that happen uh, uh, in Hobbiton. Whereas, uh, you know, in, in The Hobbit, there's, you know, it, it, it's over. Um, instead of Lord of the Rings, where there's this sort of, you know, returning from war, right? These soldiers returning from war, and the changes that they find at home, and uh, this kind of specter that uh, has, has, has been roosting or taken over uh, Hobbiton. I remember seeing a video about plot versus story, and it was, it was talking about Lord of the Rings and how the plot ends at Mount Doom, right, mission successful, but the story continues, and the story is the emotional component that there's, you know, the unfinished business, that it's, it's so huge and important that it has to continue. Uh, especially, say, the matter of uh, Frodo. And, too, if you think of, uh, you know, the wounded soldier who comes back home and who is not, you know, who can't just switch gears and go back to normal. And even though 
I don't have, you know, I've not been in a, in a war, I've not been a soldier, um, but I do have PTSD, or at least let the last time I was diagnosed, they want to do it again, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, see if things have changed, it's like, ah, what else can I say, so, I, that I'm, I'm under that pressure to put it aside and to forget about it, stop talking about it, you know, where, where it comes from, why, you know, uh, I have, uh, yeah, uh, old friends that won't meet with me, uh, because they don't want to, they, they have this idea of me, right? that they love and cherish and like, you know, and they don't like the, uh, the reality. And that's sad. Um, one person told me it's called feeble-minded, right, where you're not able to do it, right? You're not able to um, make that jump. But I sort of, I sort of see that in, like, say, the, what's happening with Frodo, uh, that... You know, he can't. He comes back, but he can't be back. You know, he can't be uh, who he was. And he's changed. Um, yeah. And so, and so that's that's the story versus the plot. It's like you know, yeah, the plot's done. You know, the mission is over. Uh, you know, and now we have to deal with the, uh, the human component, the internal conflict. That's what it is. So the, the external conflict has been taken care of. And now, and now we're dealing with the internal conflict. Also, too, we didn't have, you know, at the beginning of the story, we didn't have internal conflict. So there's a, there's a, there's a tragedy there, even though this, you know, um, wonderful sacrifice has been made, at the same time, it's, uh, it's a terrible thing, and, uh, at least one of these people, like, you know, actually there's, well, Boromir died, uh, but, in, in a sense, in a sense there has been a death, like say Frodo has died, you know, and he's a he's like kind of a kind of a ghost. What am I thinking? I'm thinking of, um, I guess, Shelob. Uh, you can really see it in the movie, where he loses, right? He's, uh, is it, is it Isildur? It's like one of Strider Aragorn's ancestors who becomes corrupted by the ring he's just, he's supposed to destroy it but instead he he keeps it and he plans to use it and we see frodo fail and i i think in the in, in the both of those instances we have you know frodo you know being poisoned there's this kind of physical death that happens and two, Sam thinks that he's dead, and he sort of takes on the, 
you know, the ring and the mission. And then with the... Just sort of lining these up here. So, she lobe, the poisoning, yeah, and then, and then when they're at Mount Doom, and Frodo's holding up the ring, you know, and he's that look on his face where he's just, he get, he's he's given up, uh, he's lost, and then we have the, uh, um, was it the fateful accident? Uh, Gollum's wheel of misfortune. Yes, good for us, bad for him. And this weird moment too, where he, he finally has it. Right, he's, he's won, but he's lost. There's these, you know, great moments of uh, flipping and flopping. Right, it's not just one thing; it's two things that are happening. He wins, he loses. And two, you know, the thing he, the thing he most wants destroys him, and uh, he he ends up destroying the thing that he most wants. You know, it's this, uh, you know, <laughs> it's brilliant on one hand, and it's horrific on the other. And I think, you know, there we have the word sublime again, because that's what it means. Or maybe, maybe I'm going for the, the origin of the word rather than what it, how it's used. It seems to be, sublime seems to be mostly used for, you know, things are great and wonderful. But that's not, you know, the, the etymology, that's not what it used to mean. So that's a weird position to be in, to be, to be using a word the old way. That I've always, I feel like I've always got a preface, saying, "I'm going to use the word sublime," but why? Because it's such an awesome, uh, like, to 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 use it. And two, awesome, I think is, you know, it also has a slightly different meaning from how I usually use it. Ah, are we wrapping things up now? We are in the wrapping up territory. So the difference between the difference between the two. I guess that's the thing when you're looking at similarities versus looking at differences. So the differences of the differences of the two stories. It'd be interesting to look at it from, say, uh, plot versus story. In in The Hobbit, it's, um, you know, the plot ends, and I think the story ends. We don't really have that much of a story. If you're looking at story as emotional component, uh, And I'm just reading into that a bit more. The, the relationships that are highlighted are the relationship between uh, Bilbo and Gandalf, and that there's kind of a protective 
quality to the relationship that Gandalf is looking out um, to a degree, but he's sort of wants to make sure that uh, Bilbo is is taken care of. You know that the dwarves are looking out for him. And 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 two, it also the it seems like everybody else is sort of looking to Gandalf and sort of you know please help us out here, right? You know don't <laughs> don't leave, or if you have to leave, come back right away. So that's the big emotional component. We have at the end of the Hobbit we have this expression of emotion that has happened. Um, with uh, Thorin Oakenshield. Also, Bilbo's feeling of... He feels like he's he's doing the right thing, but in order to do the right thing, he has to do the wrong thing. Right? So he's got to uh, take the Arkenstone um, to... If not Gandalf, then to... Uh, the opposing side, Right? to balance. Uh, and then he becomes a traitor, right? And so he sort of feels miserable about this. But that's a... I remember hearing that as a kid, uh, hearing the story, and just uh, absorbing it. Like, say, I can look back now and go... You know, oh well, that's you know that's something sort of good to see, good to observe. I think I comprehended it more when I saw the animation, and when I could actually see it. Um, that that helped me to comprehend a bit better. It's like, oh, he feels bad about this. Or I could actually see, right, that Bilbo was feeling bad about it. Uh, that's not the case. We, we don't have this betrayal uh, so much. You could, you could go, well, Frodo does betray, right? Frodo becomes corrupted. Frodo gives in. You know, he's... In a, in a way, he's he has this he has this death, uh, this physical and then this internal death, and that's that's his betrayal. But it's a different it's a different sort of thing. It's sort of like this a uh, horrible moment, um, rather than say, you know, Bilbo's realizing, okay, I've got to do the right thing. Right from the beginning, Frodo's been doing the right thing. You know, this is not about uh, signing up for an adventure. I mean, there is an adventure, but, you know, you're signing up to destroy this, you know, precious, right? The ring, the ring of power. Both involve power... So there, there is, there is a common thread there. Um, both involve kinship, kingship, I should say, king like a monarch, 
the um, the corruptive power, the corruptive force of power, you know, like absolute power corrupts, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Uh, I'm just thinking of sort of I was I was thinking of Gandalf and then I was I was like going well I was like going well yeah the difference is that Gandalf has this sort of death and rebirth when fighting the Bal- Balrog in Lord of the Rings and I was like going oh but wait what didn't in the in the Hobbit didn't he get captured by the necromancer aka Sauron uh, you know and sort of that's why he was away. So this this exploration for me is just sort of furthering my notion. <clears throat> and two, there's nothing wrong with it. I really like it. Uh, it 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 feels very much like say you have a first draft, or say you know by the tenth draft, say you know it. It should look different, you know. That this this story is transformed. It's fairly much the same. I just wonder if it was subconscious, like say, did he, did he sort of did it just sort of naturally happen that he's kind of telling the same story, which I like because it's sort of saying. This is uh, Tolkien expressing himself. This is the writer, uh, you know, engaging with you know himself, self-reflection, expressing himself, his concerns, and uh, in communication with his culture. So there's there's the unconscious, but then there's the you know, what if he was conscious? What if he said, like he sat there and he was going, okay, well, I don't have, you know, I don't have a story per se. How about I just take the old one, you know, and build on it and sort of go back, explore, elaborate. Uh, an example could be not quite, not quite the best example, but I'm just reminded of um, to Kill a Mockingbird, the original manuscript, and two, you can look at them as, you know, that they are two, they're different. And I think the big argument for the, the previous incarnation, which was called, uh, something about Watchmen, is it The Watchman Cometh? The Watchman. Anyways, uh, so the first one is the Watchman. She submits it to the publisher, and the publisher says, you know, these are the parts we like. You know, if you would make changes and get back to us, we, we will pursue it. So she takes it, takes their notes, their memos, and she comes up with uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. It's a different setting. It's a different, you know... I think what it is is... She takes the main character and then goes back in time. Uh, I think it's Scout. I could have that wrong, but she uh, 
it, it just it just reminds me of say that you you could have you could have one story and then it turns into another story. But I, I still like the idea that he he takes the Hobbit and says, Well, here's a framework, it was successful. People like it, I like it, you know. Let's go through it again and let's sort of sort of see where things go off. When I'm editing or writing, or just even say I'll be sitting there and all of a sudden I'll be thinking about things. I'll have these moments like say, I have uh, a weird west thing that I'm working on. And it's very intense. And it's closer to sword and sorcery than, than it is to... Uh, the children's fantasy, really, what I'm, you know, the book I've I've gotten, the book that uh, has been published, you know, that I've worked on with Prodigy Gold Books, my agent, Prodigy Gold Books, and other people who've been putting up with me for for years now, helping out, you know, and hopefully I've been exchanging, I've been helping them. But I'll be sitting there sometimes, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll go. Oh my, my weird west thing, you know. Can I set it in my fantasy world? Is it? Am I able to sort of make that bridge, you know? Or does it have to be a, a different thing, yeah, somewhere far away? And ultimately, it gets back to considering the reader. I sort of remember that the publisher requested requested a story after the Hobbit. You know that publisher requested another, and, and it wasn't immediate. You know, it didn't it didn't arrive immediately. You know, the next month, huh, there you go, huzzah! You know, it's done. Uh, because it is possible you can crank out you can crank out a book in a month not a good book or at least not you know I would not make a good book in a month I think you could do it if you had it like a team and if you were sort of every day you were showing them pages and getting feedback then you could come up with like a, a fairly solid um, thing I had this thought of, well, what about if you did, like, every day, just sat down and you read it aloud, or or listened to it, right? You know, because there's, now there's um, text-to-voice, right? So you could play it. They've been around for years, but finally they've gotten good. And two, it's, I, I think it's easier. It's it's the voice to text that's been the problem, but the uh, text to voice that's been around for a long time. Is this true? Yeah, I was using 
I think it was using one of the first dragon, naturally speaking, some 20 years ago or something. I'm probably wrong, but... I just, I just have this memory of using some kind of program. Speaking of dragons... What, what I like about um, the notion, you know, that he, he built off of the, uh, the Hobbit was that there's an opportunity to revisit, to explore, and to come up with come up with more. And I, I, th- I think that that's where thus the story versus plot is coming from. And that, say, initially we don't have a story so much as we have a plot. You know, we have these external events rather than this internal um, problem. It's, it's almost like the simplistic... Um, say, photos, you know, the war is over and we see um, a sailor, right, in the Navy coming back, swoops in, it's a black and white photo, I think it was probably New York, and is embracing this woman and giving her a kiss. (laughs) Years later, it turns out they weren't together, and she was really upset about that, right? She did not, you know, she did not know this guy. And uh, this guy is kind of um, getting all romantic, you know. So all of a sudden, there's this creepy element to it, right? And you could go, oh, everybody was so happy. And it's like, no, no, no. You know, this, this person, this woman is telling us, you know, how she felt. And, you know, it's not the case on her side of the equation. Uh, so there's more to the story, right, than this snapshot that we get. And, and two, there's this simplicity to The Hobbit. Um, I think intentionally so. You don't write something super complex. Uh, and yet, you know, there, there are... There's, there are big things that are happening in The Hobbit. Um, you know, there are, the, the dwarves are wrestling with greed. Uh, you know, they've been wrong. They've wronged. They've lost their home. Um, there was a lot of death, right? There, a lot of people, their people were killed by this monster. I'm just packing, packing up, packing up the thoughts. I guess the final thought is, is it possible to do such a thing for yourself? Like, can you write 
a kid's story and then build upon that and make something make something else and then say if if so you know this this could be a contender This is a great question about why, sort of why do this thing? Because um, you could just do it for fun. Uh, you could do it for almost, almost say like a, a hobby, or you know, amateur, right? You're just sort of mucking about, exploring and socializing. Maybe you get together with some people and. Um, but then there's the element of obsession, right, where it takes over. And that sort of feels like what's going on because in The Hobbit we don't go deep. And, yeah, the, the intention, the intention is different. Lord of the, Ring, we, Lord of the Rings, we do go deep. There's... Uh, I don't want to say there's a there's a troubled soul there, but there's definitely a purpose. You know, there's definitely um, something more profound is happening, and perhaps it's that say with with the Hobbit, it's sort of like say almost accidentally. I think too the publishing there was something accidental about it. It just happened to be sort of handed to the right person. I'm sure he was thrilled, but it, it doesn't sound like he's going around, you know, door to door. Um, so in that case, it would it would have been possible that we would it never have seen the light of day, save by, you know, uh, a turn of the wheel of faith. The spinning wheel. Um, yeah, and and just to end with, I have I have done this myself. I have taken um, texts. I'm trying to remember which one I used. I think I actually started with. And too, this was a separate project. Yeah, this was for my First Nations project, the four kids. So I took all of the books, the Narnia novels, and I uh, put them together into one whole. And I started building on the structure. The, um, the project got poo-pooed, right? And because... Uh, I, I was told that there was no market for it, you know, which is a crying shame. And um, the two things happened. I, I put it aside, but I didn't. I continued. I kept, I kept working on it, and I, I still have the project. And I think it's, I think it's a, a value and valid. 
you know, just to get started with it, I took um, fiction that already existed and I started building off of it. So, in a way, it's like a imitation. Uh, and uh, and to, while I was doing it, I, I was learning. I was like going, oh, look at this, you know. Why did he do this? Why did he do that? It informed my first book. I had things that came up while I was looking at Narnia that I wanted to spin my own way. Like, um, what is it? In Narnia they say, sons, sons of Adam, daughters of Eve. And... I wanted to do it as uh, children of eternity, right? So that was one, that's one example that I, I did that, and I was like, well, I really like that. And I, so I, I moved it over to uh, uh, the book that got published as why. Because it, uh, it just contained this, this, the flavor of what I was wanting to do, ultimately. Okay, well, thanks for listening, and... Uh, Hopefully this is <laughs> something. Take care.